This is Indian Noir, India's most critically acclaimed storytelling podcast. An illustrated and animated version of the following presentation is available on Indian Noir's YouTube channel. Click on the link in the show notes to access the video. Chirbati, a Halloween special tale. She's gone now. One moment, she was holding my hand and browsing the local markets. Next thing you know, she's in a cheap coffin. The only one I could afford on my shitty pension. Forty-five years of marriage. Plenty of memories in a box. We had gone for a stroll at the local forest reserve, whose cliffs overlooked a raging ocean. She had wandered too close to the edge at the lookout the locals ominously referred to as Widow's Point. Why the terrible name? I can't tell you. Maybe now they can change it to Widower's Point. Anyway, she slipped and she fell. And the wet, sharp rocks and the foamy waters devoured my heart. We had no children, and we were not close to our own families. Our neighbor, an engineer overseeing the local dam project, and his wife and two kids came for the wake. They have been our only friends for the last ten years. My wife was fond of the little ones. So was I. We ate some samosas with ketchup and drank tea and talked about her. I half expected to see her step out of the kitchen with more fried treats for the children. The kids stared at me. Like they could see a horrible stain on my soul that was invisible to the others. I suppose... This whole funeral business was weird for them. They didn't understand grief. It's a whirlpool that drags you under again and again, rarely letting you come up for air. The exertion of trying to stay alive must have been showing on my face. I went back to the spot every few days studied the cliff face and the ocean battering its ancient facade. Was I expecting her to swim up from the depths to comfort me? Was I there because I was so lonely in that cold apartment? I will not lie to you. I thought about jumping after her when she fell, fell, fell. Presently, there was no one around me. It had never been a busy trail. One reason why she and I enjoyed walking this route. I could do it now. Jump. Why don't you? I heard her say from behind me. I spun around in shock. Glowing orbs rose up from the meadow that swept into the dark woods. 
Some of them were conjoined. Others were solo spheres of light. They hummed with intelligence and moved about like pack animals. I felt their censorious gaze upon me. They were dissecting the sincerity of my grief. Why don't you join me? My wife's voice rang out from the phantom lights. Terror seized my body with chilly hands. And I fled towards my home, screaming. It took me several hours to drift into sleep. But just as I was about to descend into its depths, I heard a commotion from the kitchen. A couple shouting at each other. Utensils and cutlery being thrown onto the tiled floor. I propped my body up on one elbow and listened. My body shook like a leaf as the ruckus grew louder. There was a loud thump followed by a woman's scream. There was no mistaking it. The voice belonged to my wife. Her sobs rang out through the house. I imagined the ghostly orbs combining to create a postulant moon that channeled voices from the realm of the dead. The radiant satellite grew and grew till it ate up everything in my room, including my squealing form. The sounds stopped. The terror remained. I hid under the bedsheet and cried myself to sleep. My neighbor was skeptical when I shared my experiences with him. He suspected that grief had messed with my good senses. I told him I intended to make a trip to the council library to investigate local myths about Widow's Point. I read somewhere that sometimes the hurt induced by the loss of a loved one is so profound, you hallucinate scenarios to fulfill your wish to reconnect with the departed. He said, he recommended visiting a grief counsellor, or better still, opening up to him about my feelings. I thanked him profusely and returned to my apartment. I opened the door and listened to the hollow sound of emptiness. Tears welled up in my eyes. My hands trembled. I promptly closed the door and headed for the library. It took me nearly an hour to find the first reference to the phenomenon known as Chirbati, ghostly lights that manifest in the woodlands around Widow's Point. I found two sources, an old newspaper and a self-published tome on the history of my town, penned by an amateur historian. Sellotape and Good Fortune held the book together. The newspaper considered the phantasmal lights as an atmospheric phenomenon. Science, it seemed, had an answer to every mystery. The manuscript, however, referred to a legend behind its malicious existence. A long time ago, a knife was drawn over a sordid love affair. 
The husband had challenged the lover to a fist fight in the presence of the cheating wife to settle the matter once and for all. When they turned up to the spot, which was now named Widow's Point, the enraged husband pulled out a knife and murdered both of them in cold blood. Then he leapt off the cliff to his death. The violence of the hateful act awoke slumbering spirits buried in the woods, who were once the victims of a genocidal massacre perpetrated by colonial soldiers. For years, the spectral lights danced and flew about the woodlands. The book quotes anecdotal evidence of a spike in suicides and murders near Widow's Point. After a decade, the tragic incidents abated and the spectral globes vanished into the pages of history. I considered that strange legend as I washed up after my solo dinner that night. Thought about the intensity of the act of violence that reanimated the dead so many decades ago. Did my failure as a husband, as a human being, to stop the unfortunate accident awaken them from their slumber? I should have done more. I have wiped the actual event clean from my mind so I don't have to confront the feelings of guilt in this cold dwelling of mine. But tonight, it's threatening to shatter the coffin cover and emerge from its innards, shrieking and pointing an accusatory bony finger at me. I retrieved the bottle of whiskey I had hidden from my wife, which was at the back of one of the kitchen shelves. I drowned my guilt in that amber fire and slept. I dreamt I was a young man walking through the meadow near Widow's Point, bathed in the glow of a benevolent shaft of light from the heavens. The warmth of the light dimmed as I took each step towards the edge of the cliff. Before long, I was gazing down at a coffin set at the very brink. I looked at my hands and realized I had aged. I was too terrified to open the coffin. Afraid that I would see my wife's shattered corpse within, bones broken in a million places, transforming her into the mummified form of a prehistoric bird. I gathered all my courage and opened it. Inside was something worse. My severed head anchored to the wooden base with a thousand threads. It was screaming in agony as the grim reaper shaved the skin off my face with his scythe. I woke with a scream, and the waking world was no better. My suit, the one I had worn on the day I encountered the phantom lights, was aglow. Could they have left some kind of residual magic on the fabric? As if to answer my query... Globes of spectral light emerged from my closet. They pulsed with malign energy as they floated out of their hiding place. Fear anchored me to the bed, but I didn't want to close my eyes. I wanted to know why these otherworldly orbs were haunting me. I peered into their bright innards and regretted my decision instantly. 
Within each one of them was the likeness of my wife's face, a pained expression etched on her visage, her mouth open in a silent scream. I felt piss warm up the insides of my thighs before I passed out. The morning cup of coffee helped me regain some of the courage I had lost overnight. I considered the events of the last few days and decided my wife was in trouble. She wanted to communicate her dire situation to me from the netherworld. It was my duty to reach out and receive whatever wisdom or warning she had reserved for me, no matter how frightening the situation. I visited Widow's Point later that day and investigated the surroundings. There were no spectral messages waiting there for me. The ghost lights were nowhere to be seen. The sun-kissed meadow and the shady woods mocked my inquiry, and seabirds wheeled about in the sky, squawking complaints. Maybe you are too frightened to reveal yourself in the day's light. I will come back at night, I said to the sea. Remember this, I said, producing the stubs from my pocket. The tickets from the very first movie we watched together. I thought I will leave something behind for you. My wife didn't respond. Just the waves colliding endlessly against time-worn rocks. I will be back tonight, I said, letting go of the tickets. The pieces of paper fluttered away in the wind and drowned in the green and foamy waters below. My neighbors invited me for dinner. I was oddly quiet during the meal, and they seemed to notice. I looked around at the friendly faces and smiled. Tonight could be my last meal. If my wife was at the mercy of the evil spirits that dwelled in the woods, they could harm me too for trying to commune with her. Let them. There is nothing left for me in this world. But as my final act, I must stand by my wife and face up to her wraith-like tormentors. You are right, my neighbor asked. I am, I said with a smile. I have never felt better or more certain in my life before. I have decided to go on a pilgrimage. A full moon was ravishing the sea and the rocks when I arrived at Widow's Point. The dark woods had borrowed the ocean's constant hiss and made it their own, its voice expressing discontent at my intrusion. Are you here, my love? I asked several times in vain. Then, just as I was about to give up hope, a sphere of light emerged from the waving grass and rose up in the air like a luminescent balloon, growing in size as it ascended. I knew you would come, I said. One became two, and two became many. As more spheres were spat forth from the earth like spores, I glimpsed shadowy forms grabbing at them with taloned fingers. Were these strange manifestations the prisoners of dark entities in the netherworld. 
did my love for my wife free them from their prison. But the legends, the ghostly lights cast a sickly yellow glow on the landscape, crafting an island of radiance at the center of a sea of shadows. Soon, I noticed a female form dancing away in the meadow. She danced with unbridled joy and hummed a jarring tune, like a song from a damaged gramophone. She swayed, squatted and pirouetted, and moved closer to me while continuing her performance. Initially, I smiled as I watched the apparition's artistic flourishes. But my breath caught in my throat as her facial features were revealed to me. Only hell could have birthed such a visage. She raised both hands up in the air and spun like a Sufi devotee. Her spindly fingers, too numerous to be human, cracked as they flopped about at the ends of her arms. This thing was once my wife. This I knew for certain. But she had been transformed and spat forth from a hellish dimension where human sanity went to perish. I was rooted to the spot, transfixed by the horror unfolding before my eyes. Besides, I wanted to hear what she had to say. As it disrobed, it spoke in my wife's voice. See the maps you made on my body. Look, it said, pointing to purple bruises like vast continents on her pink flesh. Bile rose in my throat. See your legacy on the curves of my body, she said coyly. Memories stirred in the disease-ridden recesses of my brain. An abuser standing over my wife's cowering figure, fists clenched, teeth bared like an animal. It was I. I was the monster that stalked the cold rooms of our home. I vomited onto the grass. The immense weight of my denials came crashing down on me. In the beginning, I told myself a fairy tale about how it happened rarely. Only when she really provoked me, and only when she really deserved it. Then I selectively wiped my own memories to assuage my guilt. Oh no, darling, don't be dramatic. I barely touched you. She never knew peace in our home, and I was the reason. You remember, don't you? She said. Her query was a key. A door opened in my mind and the truth about what had happened on the night she died came flooding in. It was a front of debris-laden water that travelled through my innards, swamping every dried-up inch of my soul. I do. It wasn't an accident. I let my anger control me like I always did. I pushed you off the cliff. I admitted... The ghost lights mobbed me. 
Their little stingers plunged into me and drew blood from a hundred spots. The thing that was a malformed version of my wife dissipated into motes of light and danced around me like fireflies. The orbs glowed and dimmed, delivering a visual Morse code which I readily understood, much to my surprise. This was a primal language, an elemental form of communication that is dormant in every soul. Yes, I understand, I said. I turned and walked towards the edge of the cliff. Stop! I heard my neighbor in the distance. He was calling out to me. No, stop! Don't do it! He shouted. He must have suspected something was off at the dinner and followed me. I ignored his pleadings as his footsteps pounded towards me. The lights now resembled eyeballs, witnesses to my great sins, witnesses to my punishment. They buzzed like bees. They thrummed with otherworldly intelligence. Their milky innards were home to dead planets where murderous souls slaved away to craft edifices with maddening geometries. It was my time to join my wretched brethren in this most unholy of tasks. Witness, I said to them. Before my neighbor could drag me away to safety, I jumped. In my final moments, I experienced and understood the true nature of the Chirbati. They were tiny suns birthed in another dimension, made of human skin and fueled by the pain of a million screaming sinners.